Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. We're going to learn today about a big rabbi. Oh, Yosef's here. Now we can start. Yosef, now we can start. We're going to learn today, first of all, Yosef, Thank you for bringing uh, not pizza but big ziti today. Very exciting. Tada. A little change. A little change. It's nice. Very nice. But it's good to get together, Chaver. We're going to learn today about a great rabbi in Amora, Rav Huna, who was the Rosh Hashiva in Sura, who was a primary student of Rav. And we're going to learn about a series of wonderful behaviors that he conducted himself with. I'm going to go through these. The Gemara tells us a series of good deeds that he used to conduct himself with throughout his life. I think there's a lot that we can learn from as we go through this. So we're going to begin the Gemara, the bottom of Chaf Amud Bet in Masechet Ta'anit. And the Gemara says as follows, Omar le Rava le Rafram Bar Papa. Rava said to Rafram Bar Papa, Le'malan Mar, Tell us about the good deeds that Rav Huna used to do. Listen to this. Talk about animals. We'll get there in a minute. Tell us about the good deeds that Rav Huna used to do. Tell us about what made him so special. He was a tremendous Talmud Chacham. He took over after Rav and Shmuel passed away as the Rosh Hashiv of Surah. He was considered a chassid, a very pious person. So the Gemara says, Amar Le'erafim responded like this. He said, Biyankute lo dachirna. When Rav Papa, when uh, Rav Huna was young, I don't remember, I don't know what happened to him. But Bisivute dachirna. I know when he was older, I know about his behaviors. And the Gemara tells us, this is one of the things that he used to do. Now, what would you think, Yosef? We're asking, I'm asking you because otherwise you're making noise. What do I, if you were to say, what, is, what was the great thing that made this rabbi so special? What would be the response that you would think? Like something... Uh, yeah, yeah, big man, big man. What made him so special? What, what would you say? Like, if you had to describe that big rabbi you're thinking about, what made him so special? He's a smart, very smart man. Maybe he learned Torah all day. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you'll say he gives uh, shiurim all day. Listen to what he said. Nothing to do. Listen to this. Listen to, nothing to do with learning Torah, nothing to do with teaching Torah, nothing to do with... It's not community focus. Listen to this. Every windy day was a cloudy, windy day. Now, when there's a cloudy, windy day, the problem is if there's a structure, a wall or a roof that's shaky, what could happen? It could collapse and hurt somebody. So listen to what he used to do. They would take him out in a golden chariot. Apparently, he had some sort of a chair that they would carry him around because of his position, his stature. And he would look at the entire city. So imagine, they would bring him around the entire city, schlepping around, analyzing every structure. And any wall or any structure that was flimsy, that was shaky, that looked like it might collapse because of the wind, he would make sure it was destroyed. Okay, so... well. Why, that's A, it prevented people from getting hurt because if right. you have like a construction site and it's windy, bricks can fly or the wall can fall. So he would first of all destroy it. Okay, but now that he destroyed it, someone doesn't have a house or someone doesn't have a store or whatever it was. 
Now, what happened after was like this. If the owner of that structure had the financial means, so then they would rebuild it because ultimately they had something dangerous. So they had to get gotten rid of anyways. He just took the initiative. And if the person didn't have money, Rav Huna would pay for this to be rebuilt. Okay, This is the greatness of Rav Huna. Not he learned Torah 18 hours a day or he taught Torah morning till evening. He would go around on a windy day Look at the city, see what struck. It was a windy day. Maybe they're going to get hurt. Chas v'shalom. Which buildings are shaky? Destroy it, and then after it was destroyed, he would even pay if it couldn't be rebuilt. Code enforcement. Sounds like code enforcement. Sounds like code enforcement. Can you imagine the the Rosh Hashiva is doing this? Not not the you know the the lowly politician or whatever it is. Not the code enforcement. Not the inspector. That's what the Rosh Hashiva was doing. He cared. He didn't want people to get hurt. That's what he cared about. That was his focus. Yeah, what do you want to say, Yosef? Well, that's the idea of B'nai Israel because B'nai It's the idea that we're build we're builders of Yasharkel, but. In that grain, he's actually building. That's true. Israel. But is it? And it's true. But it's an amazing thing, like you said. You'd think a code inspector would do this. Yeah, so no code true. inspector. Yeah, Take me out. <laughs> We're gonna go around. The great rabbi is gonna go around. Imagine. I mean, think about it, the greatest rabbi you know, yeah. whoever that is. And he goes around on a windy day. All right, looks like this office needs mm-hmm. to be rebuilt, or this this wall is is shaky. It's, that's what made him special. Not only doing it. And he'll pay for it. He'll rebuild it. He just doesn't want people to get hurt. Yeah. That's Rafuna. Maybe they took the greatest rabbi so people they don't demonstrate. Okay, that's an interesting that idea. You're saying that he comes down. You know. Otherwise, people will get upset. Yeah, right. okay. I hear. That's good. I hear that. It's a public relations. I hear. I hear. That could be. That's one example. Correct, correct, that's true. So that's one example. Let's continue. So that's one thing he used to do. Now listen to this other thing. Also, the sensitivity to people and to their businesses and their money. Listen to this. Every Erev Shabbat, okay? So it used to be Erev Shabbat, what were people busy with? What were they doing? Going, going to the market, buying food. The vendors were out, the shuk was busy. Everybody was busy running around. So what would happen was like this. The farmers who brought out all of their vegetables or their food to the market, Erev Shabbat, what would happen sometimes? There was leftover. So now what would happen is the leftover would be in the shuk. Now it's going to be Shabbat. So what's going to happen by Motzei Shabbat Sunday? The leftovers is going to go in the garbage. So what did Rav Huna do? Listen to this. We have refrigerators. We have refrigerators. They have refrigerators. Oh, it's not exactly, but let's see. The Cholpanya de Maali Shabbata, every Arab Shabbat. So the market's over and there's leftover yeah. vegetables. Yeah. Have a Mishadr Shluchalashuka. So Rav Huna would send a messenger to the market with money. The Chol Yeraka da Havapayish the Huliginai, and any leftover vegetables that the gardeners had brought that weren't sold, Zavin Lay, he would buy them. Vishadi Leila Nahara, and he would throw it in the river. Now this we have to figure out why in a moment. 
one second. But the first step is he would buy the leftover vegetables. Why did he do that? What was the idea? So that the gardeners sh- shouldn't lose out. means they brought 40, uh, 50 pounds of uh, cucumbers. But the problem is, is if uh, Erev Shabbat, they're left with 20 pounds, going to go in the garbage, so he would buy it. Now, why would he throw it in the river? That's a very strange thing to do. Why don't he give it to somebody? Give it to the poor people, like Yosef suggested. That makes more sense. So what do you think? Why would he throw it in the river? What would be the pshat in that? There is fresh produce. Give the fish. (coughs) Give the fish. Okay, that wasn't the intention. Because then, like you said, why not just give it to the poor people? Give it to the poor people. What do you What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's see. It doesn't make any sense. If you you want to buy it to assist the store owners, the vegetable sellers, fine. But why would you then throw it in the river? See, the whole calculation. Listen to this. So the Gemara asks, Why not just give it to the poor people? Meaning, give it. So the Gemara answers, because what might end up happening is they'll end up relying on him. Means what could end up happening is is if everybody knows there's vegetable dis- distribution on Friday. So what can end up happening is the poor people won't go to the store. Now, what's the problem? Okay, so they won't go to the store. The problem is not every Friday is there leftover vegetables. So what will end up happening is there might be a Friday that he'll send his shliach to the market and the messenger will get, and there's nothing to give and then the poor people won't have vegetables. So instead of distributing on Friday, he would throw it in the water. Now, the question is, but what happened to the vegetables in the water? So the Mepharshim explained, we'll see momentarily, the vegetables would be taken downstream and people would find it when it was taken downstream and take it out of the water and be able to enjoy it. But those people didn't rely on that, so therefore it didn't create this issue. They'll find some cucumbers, they'll find some oranges, whatever was left, but somebody would benefit, means some people downstream would benefit from it, but he didn't want the locals here to rely on that because then they might not have food one Shabbat, and that would be a problem. Okay. They won't have food anyway. Well, they have a little bit of money. So if they're always relying on him, they're not going to make any effort to buy for themselves. And then yeah. it might be one Friday, there's nothing to give they out. Lazy. They get used to it. Well, they get used to it, and then it may be one Friday, there's nothing to give out. So then it'll be a problem. So instead, he would throw it in the water. He knew someone downstream was going to get it. And in doing so, it wasn't destructive. Mm-hmm. And he also saved the gardeners from losing their money. And the locals didn't have to end up relying on him, which could create an issue for themselves. So he had it all worked out on all fronts. Yeah. So the Gemara says, but wait a second. Right. Why not throw it to an animal? I mean, the Gemara wonders, okay, feed it to your animal. So we just talked about animals. Why not feed it to, to the animals? You want to buy it, feed it to the animals. This is a fascinating idea. What's the problem with feeding it to your animals? So the Gemara says, "Kasavar held ma'achal adam ein ma'achilin You're not supposed to feed people food to animals. Rabbi, Rabbi. Very interesting. You're Rabbi not supposed to feed human human grade food for human consumption to animals. Now, what's the problem with that? Why is it a problem to feed human grade food to animals? Oh, so Rashi says two reasons. Very interesting. Rashi says either it's an issue of bizoy ochlin, it's a disgrace to the food. Used to be, just as an example, the Gemara talks about how it, things have changed since then, but the Gemara talks about how it used to be wheat, uh, wheat was eaten by people, barley was eaten by animals. Chita was for people, uh, seorin was for animals. Oh. It's not like that anymore because today people eat cereal 
and they're eating barley, and vice versa. They feed animals wheat. But it used to be that. So therefore, it's not appropriate to feed people food to animals. Just wait one minute. Either, says Rashi, because of bizoy ochlin, it's a disgrace to the food. And Rashi says, very interesting, it's like denying the good that Hashem gave you. If you take people food and you feed it to animals, yeah, so it's yeah. like saying, yeah. you know, I don't even care about the food you gave me, I'll feed it to my animal. So rather the more appropriate thing is give yeah. animal animal food. I mean, that's the more appropriate thing to do. Yeah. Don't feed it cheese, right? We know it creates problems. Yeah. Another thing. <laughs> Inami says another reason is we know that the Torah is chasa Torah al mamonan shel Yisrael. Very interesting. The Torah has compassion for Jewish people's money. It means the, the Torah doesn't want Jewish people to lose their money. So what would end up happening is he would throw it downstream, it would go to people, they would be able to find it. So that's why he wouldn't feed it to his animals. Very interesting idea that uh, emerges. Ah, oh, actor, welcome. Shalom Aleichem. Come, join us. So we just said is we don't feed uh, human-grade food to animals. That's what we just said. Fine. That's what the Gemara says. So Rav Huna, therefore, let me just finish the point and then we'll get to you, Yosef. Rav Huna's point was he would buy it. Now, in doing so, he would benefit the gardeners. He wouldn't give it to the poor people locally so they shouldn't rely on it. And then maybe one week they won't have. He wouldn't give it to animals because... You don't feed people food to animals. Instead, he put it in the water and it would go downstream. Yeah, Yosef, what would you like to add? Well, first of all, we learned that in the Shemitah, <coughs> the fields are open and all the animals can come okay. in. And also, any wild beast can come in to wash food. Okay. And also, in Bereshit, it says that Hashem gave us a call. The Eric Eised La'afla. Yeah. Right, right. Right. He gives them all this. That could have been the things that are for animals. There's different types of esef. Right? I hear you, but it could be that was different types of esef. You have uh, cucumbers and you have lettuce. You have. I don't know, there's different types of grasses, of vegetables. But after the mabul, right? I, think the I, I hear, that's an interesting question. I hear, Yosef's asking, is in the Torah we find, after, uh, before the mabul, Hashem instructed Adam that all of the grasses could be eaten by people and animals. So it sounds like they eat the same thing. Well, it's interesting. All of the Yerakot, seemingly, yeah. are eaten by people and animals. An interesting question. He doesn't eat vegetables. He only eats kosher meat. <laughs> so listen to this, let's finish the story. So the Gemara says, okay, why did he buy it all together? means you're so concerned that you're the people are going to rely on it and then throw it downstream. So just don't buy it. What are you doing by buying it? So the Gemara says, Very interesting. We had similar examples in Rosh Hashanah. If he doesn't buy them today, what's going to happen? The farmers are going to say, last week I only needed 20 pounds of cucumbers and I brought 40 and I took a loss of 20. So next week, how many pounds am I going to bring? 20. And then what's going to end up happening is the next week they're going to need 40 and people are going to go home without their vegetables for Shabbat. So by him buying it, the guy always got to get 50 pounds. Okay. 60 pounds. It's better to have more. So at least it's better to have more than less. For the guy that give it, right. he's going to bring a hundred pounds. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I mean, people have some sechel. People have some sechel. I mean, people have some sechel to say they no, recognize Rafuna's helping the them. 
Right. So basically what emerges is he would buy the leftover. He would buy the excess so that every week there was enough vegetables in the market. Yeah, I don't think they're going to take advantage like that. The point is it made sure there was always enough. Maybe there was a little more, but little more is not a bad thing. And then he would throw it in the water. Like we said, it would go downstream to those people. What's that? And how do we know that he bought everything? What's he said? They bought the leftovers. The leftovers. leftovers. No, no, I'm just giving an example. Yeah. No, yeah, the yeah. Idea, the idea, but the idea of the is to show how, he, how much he cared about the, the, the people of the city for Both. their roofs, their buildings. So it's two different issues, right? The, 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 right. the farmers, right? He cared about it. Yeah, That's what yeah, made him yeah. so big. Not the, yeah. not the fact that he was losing money or. Right, or right. Not giving it to the, the animals or right. whatever. It's just to show how great we learn. Where do we learn in Rosh Hashanah a similar idea? Where do we learn a similar idea? Anybody remember? In Mesechet Rosh Hashanah, we learned a similar idea that if you don't do something now, it might cause problems for others in the future or, or, or a struggle in the future for people. Does anybody remember? We learned a similar example in Rosh Hashanah. It has to do with uh, the leap year. Does anybody remember this? The leap year. So the leap year basically to understand the calendar, the way that it's... With regards to leap year, we learned, very interesting idea, the Chachamim would sometimes add an extra Adar, an extra month. Actually, this year we have two Adar. This year we're going to have Adar Rishon and Adar Sheni. This year, yeah. One of the reasons they would add is as follows. If they knew... If they knew that Jews were traveling from Bavel, but they weren't going to make it to Eretz Yisrael by Pesach. They were going to come late. So the problem is, those Jews would become, they would become frustrated. They would become frustrated because they'll get there when it's after Pesach already. And once they're frustrated, then maybe the next year, they're not going to come altogether. They would even add an extra month in certain circumstances to make sure those Jews from Bavel are able to arrive before Nisan, before Rosh Chodesh, or before Pesach, so that they can make it there. Because if not, in the future, they might not decide to come. Similar example is if there was some issue with water. Remember the story with Naktimon ben Gorion, how he bought water because people were coming for Chag and there wasn't enough water. And he knew if there's no water and they're coming to visit, what's going to happen in the future? They're going to get upset. They're not going to come for the Chag. Same idea. There are times that the Chachamim do things. So. Matanot it was that you have seven days to come. Yeah, that's not a deal. It's a, a, it's a different issue. Different issue, Tashlumen. What's, yeah. what's yeah. Rabbi Kahana used to do? That you have like seven days that you can come for Yerushalayim yeah. in case a person broke his leg. Yeah. And you have a delay. Correct, not, correct. So you have extra... Oh, Hashlama. I hear, I hear, I So the kids, so what do we have what's so far? I don't know. Rav Huna, Rav Huna. So, Bekitzer, what do we have here? We have two things that we're, we're focusing on so far. The first thing we're saying is, if it was a windy day, he would make sure people would be protected. Spend his own money, destroy those items that needed to be... That's one. Two? You do what you need to do, but I can't repeat myself. Rav Huna, Rav Huna, Rav Huna. Just listen, listen. Yeah, what's Rav Huna 
Number one, Arfuna. Oh, gosh, you guys are killing me. It's like, like the three stooges over here. I'm telling you. It's like dealing with the three stooges. I'm telling you. Larry, Curly, and Mo over here. They did something. What did they Ravuna. Ravuna. If it was a windy day, he would go around and destroy Ravuna. 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 That was the first thing. He would go around on a windy day and destroy the structures. One. Two is if there was leftover produce in the market, he would buy it. Now, in doing so, there's two benefits, meaning he would make sure that the gardeners continued to bring. And then he would throw in the water, fine, and then people would get it downstream. So that's the point. That was something that was irregular. Yeah. Meaning it wasn't something that they were going to be handed out, so they wouldn't rely on that necessarily. No. No, so that's what he just said. They're not going to. Because you don't expect that to happen. Why, why, why? What's the problem? Get poor people. They don't have anything. Give it to them. But the problem is again, then there will be weeks they don't have any food. No, they're going to know that whenever we have, we give it to you. But again, they're not going to go buy for themselves ever. And then one week, there won't be leftovers in the market. Let's say, okay, well, that's, I don't want that for Shabbat. You want them to have, I mean, let's say once out of every four weeks, they sell everything out. So then once a month, they're not going to have vegetables for Shabbat. Oh, so that's, so that's okay. I told you. Okay, I hear, I hear. I guess he, these types of things he knew would be picked up somewhere downstream. You say, whatever, that, that's a cash. I hear. Wholesale price. That's the answer. Okay. That's the second example. Now let's go to the third story. One more story, gentlemen. Same rabbi? Same rabbi. We're talking about these are the, the, the gadlut that the Gemara is telling us the special things that Ravuna used to do. So, so far we have two. Let's go three. Kihavele milta da asuta. You know what asuta is, Chevra? Asuta. What is asuta? What? Exactly. It was in Hebrew too? Yeah. Yes. Asuta. I thought it was Ara it's Aramaic, I think. Asuta. I think it's Aramaic. Asuta. When you say bless you, you say Asuta. I think it's, it's Aramaic actually. It means yeah. medicine. That's what it refers to. There is a hospital called Asuta. Oh, there's a hospital called Asuta. It's, I think it's Aramaic. I think it's Aramaic. So what happened was, Rav Huna, when he used to have medicine, today we have doctors, we have hospitals, we have much more sophisticated. So when he would get his hands on a little bit of antibiotics or whatever, he got his hands on something, he wanted to share. He wanted to make sure. It wasn't like today where, you know, Baruch Hashem, we have such an infrastructure today. You get sick, you go two minutes away, you figure it out, you get medicine over the counter. They didn't have necessarily. So when he had some medicine, he would fill up a jug full of, let me take out that word, a jug full of this medicine, and he would hang it on the frame of his door outside. And he would say, anybody that wants should come and take. Means he would make sure that anybody who wants to partake, Ravuna was rich, he became rich. I believe that's how it's brought down. So he was taken in a golden chariot. It appears that he was rich. The Gemara actually tells us when someone became the Rosh HaYeshiva, they would make him wealthy. Because they wanted people to have respect. So that was one way people have respect, is that he has money. So Kitzer, he would put the medicine in a jar, and he would say, please, people, partake. Where do we say this language? Does anybody know where we say a similar language? What do we say in Agadah Shel Pesach, the beginning? What do we say the language? 
We say, anybody that wants could come and participate. We invite people to our said. There's similar language. So he would share the medicines. Now there's another version of what he used to do. Very interesting. Is He knew something about the demons. Demons are mazikim. Demons, he knew that they used to damage people who didn't wash their hands before eating. Very interesting. Before eating, or in the morning when they wake up? Before eating. That's how Rashi explains it. Okay. Rashi says, Min hag yadav. Is he knew that demons, mazikim, mazikim, shindalid, they used to damage people if they didn't wash their hands. So to avoid that, he would put a jar of water on his door. He would suspend it. No, you're not so far off. I'll hang on that in a minute. For Amrani would say, Anybody that wants to wash their hands before eating, this is available for you to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. It happens to be Oren's not so far off, what he just said, also known as bacteria. It's a very interesting thing is that we know in the Black Plague, for example, which killed what, a third of Europe, whatever it wiped out, a lot of Jews, Jews weren't dying. So the Catholic Church correct me if I'm wrong, blame the Jewish people as the, as the classic thing to do because they always blame the Jewish people. But the pshat was is because before eating bread, the Jews would wash their hands. They didn't understand bacteria and, and these kinds of things yet. But we washed our hands because we're supposed to before eating bread and to a degree that would give us a little bit more cleanliness so they wouldn't, didn't hit us as much. They blamed us. They said we poisoned the wells and we did all kinds of things because they had no idea how medicine works. But anyways... That's an idea. Bacteria, true. L'chorah, that's a true thing. Final point. Ki rifta, when he would break bread, means when he would eat his bread, he would open his door, and this is very much like the Haggadah Shal Pesach. V'amarni would say, anybody that needs should come and eat. Can you imagine you're about to sit down to your meal, you open the door, and you loudspeaker, anybody that wants could join me in my meal. So Rava commented I on this story. You do? You open your door and when you sit down? That's true, you do. Yosef, you talk a do. You do, it's true. You do, it's true. Right? You're a special man. So Rava says, Kulu matzina mekayamna lebar meha. All of the things that Ravuni used to do were able to do besides the last one. Why? Because in Mechuza, the place Rava lived, there were so many poor people. So he said, if I would announce on a loudspeaker, whoever's hungry should come and eat with us, we're not going to have any food. I can't support that. The other things, sharing my medicine, you know, breaking the walls, whatever, all those things, not such a big deal. But to say that whoever wants to come and eat when you're eating, that would be an impossible thing. So just quickly to recap. Really, we said three, three, four. So this, 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 the third and fourth go together, sort of. Three ideas that make that Rav Huna did that the Gemara says made him special. First, he was worried about people's properties causing damage, and he would finance it on his own if he saw that the people couldn't rebuild on FEMA. their own. What's that? He was FEMA. Yeah, yeah. He was FEMA, yeah, yeah. FEMA? Yeah. They wanted to yeah. give you money low, in case your property right. damaged by your yeah. Number two, he used to make sure that the gardeners always sold out, so that there wouldn't be a shortage later. Two. And three, when he got medicine or food, he would make sure to share. And whenever he would eat also, he would share with anybody else. That's fascinating. I'll just finish off with this. It doesn't say he used to learn 18 hours a day, which he probably did. It doesn't say that he gave shiurim all day, which he probably did. It focuses in on the fact, what did he do? 
He was osek betzochei tzibu. That's what it was. He was involved in public benefit. He wanted to help the public. This is what made Rav Huna special. And he was the Rosh HaYeshiva of Surah, Sura, if I remember correctly. He was the head of the Yeshiva. It wasn't a, a, low, a lowly guy. This was a very great Talmud. He's called a Hasid. He's called the pious one. And that's what the Gemara highlights made Rav Huna very special. So Yosef, like we have special people here like Yosef, who's involved in Tzorchei uh, Tzibur. This is a very special thing to be involved, benefiting the public. I don't, I don't build people houses. Yeah, you make a Friday night meal and you say, Kol <laughs> you say anybody that wants. Anyways, Yosef, thank you again for sponsoring. We'll say Kaddish now. Stop it, Hebra.